So we've entitled a series over the summer, The Greatest Prayer, obviously often known as the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we're going to tackle that in different ways. We're we're not literally going to break it down word by word. It's one of those things you could do in all sorts of different ways. So I'm going to take a little bit of a a chunk this morning, that first piece, Our Father in Heaven, Hallowed Be Your Name. Um, That's what we're going to look at. But let's read... um, from uh, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew's version, verse 5. This is the context. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who's unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. That's a different babbling to what Ros was talking to us about. Ros was talking about a a response of children, of, of just, I don't have quite the right words, so I'm just responding. But here he's talking about the babbling of the pagans. In other words, just a, just a, a, a noise, really. They think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Just receive that as a word this morning. It may not come out in the sermon, but just hear the word of the Lord. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That may be relevant for someone here this morning. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So that releases you from finding the right words, by the way. If He knows already, you just come to Him with your heart. That's releasing, isn't it? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Just to say, as we start into this and and look at this over these next eight weeks, I think we're going to look at it. I don't think that Jesus particularly intended that this would be turned into a specific prayer that we would, we would say all these centuries later. I, I'm not against the Lord's Prayer and saying the Lord's Prayer at all. It's not wrong to use the Lord's Prayer in that sense. But I think what Jesus was giving, I believe, was more the, the sense of this is how you should pray rather than specifically these are the words to pray. It, it's about a heart. It's a context. It's about the, the structure of the content as well and about the, the order To consider what's given priority. Who's given priority first uh, before we come into the second half? It's in in two halves in many ways. There's a priority of upwards towards God in the first half. And then the second half is give us today. And it's about us. And so I don't think it's so much a, a specific prayer to pray as much as this is the heart of, of what it is as we come to God in prayer. It is important, therefore, to see where Jesus starts. 
the Lord's Prayer doesn't start with personal requests. It doesn't start with, Lord, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what uh, my concerns are. Rather, it starts with recognizing who God is. Now, I spoke in some detail three, four weeks ago about the Father heart of God. So um, I'm not going to dig into it deeply, but we could, we could have a, eight weeks just on Father God, uh, our Father. Um, but if you would like to listen to that, um, June the 17th, you, you'll hear that online. But we had a whole morning talking about the Father heart of God. But I can't just rush on without mentioning it again and just saying what a privilege it is for us to call God our Father. Such a, such a privilege to be able to call God our Father. You, you hear Jesus expressing this before he gets to this prayer. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father. Then your Father who sees what is done Uh, Your Father knows what you need. And then, of course, he says, this is how you're to pray. Our Father. And then, of course, later on, he says, Heavenly Father will forgive you. Or your Heavenly Father won't forgive you. So, Jesus is placing it clearly, our prayer, our relationship, into a context of our Father. And expresses, those words express intimacy, security depth of relationship that we can have with God, our Father. We can call him our Father. It's a unique position that we have as sons and daughters of the living God. Jesus said, I've not called you servants. The servants don't know their master's business. You're not outsiders. You're not on the, out on the limb. You're not left out of the, the boardroom, as it were, the place of heartfelt discussion. Uh, no, it's our Father. You're in the family. You're sons and daughters of the living gods. It's a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And yet, this context, he says, our Father in heaven. So I believe there's something that that Jesus is saying here. We don't come to God just casually. All right, mate, how's it going? Do you know what I mean? I think there is a childlikeness that we can run to the Father, but but it isn't casual. He's our Father in heaven. There's a perspective, I believe, to be understood. A perspective that guards us against over-familiarity. Now, there's a tension here because I think, for me, I'm, I tend to be a, what I would call a kitchen sink prayer. I don't know if anybody that relates to anybody, but uh, we never, ever had a dishwasher till we came to the Isle of Wight. So one of the things about coming, never grew up, brought up three children, never had a dishwasher. I did all the washing up, and I used to love washing up, looking out the window, and I would pray. And often that's how I pray. I pray as I walk along, as I drive along. Sure, I can sit down, I can focus and pray. But my, most of my prayer life is what I call kitchen sink praying. Um, in that, in, just in that day-to-day praying. So I'm not saying that we, we can't have that informality, 
But I think Jesus is saying, our Father in heaven, he's saying there's a context that we need to think of and need to understand. It's not casual. It's not over-familiar. I think perhaps more importantly is not to be trapped or fooled into thinking that God is somehow just like us. He is our friend. He is our Father. But it's not just, it's not just a mate. All right, mate. How's it going? He's our Father in heaven. He's outside and beyond. So much fuller, so much further, so much greater. And I think what we can do, particularly in our culture and our society, is it can all become a bit matey and a bit buddy. And, and, and if we're not careful, God is, well, God's just like me, really. In fact, society tells us we're all God's. We're in charge. You're in charge. What decisions do you want to make? It's up to you. You make your own choices because you are God. No, he is God. He is our Father in heaven. He's outside and and beyond. And, and, And I think what Jesus is saying here, isn't he? He's saying, don't forget. Yes, Abba. Come to this in a moment. Dear Daddy. As my dear Nepalese friend always referred. Dear Daddy. Yes, yes, yes. In heaven. In heaven. Outside, not, not boxed in to my uh, way. Oh, all right, mate, well, I just want you to do this. Can you just fix that? Can you just sort that? Now, hang on a minute. Our Father in heaven, in heaven. So, just need to hear that, the perspective. Have we made God too small in our eyes sometimes? You know, well, this is how God will work. This is what he'll do. This is the way, this is what he'll do. And we, and we can become very matey in the sense of it's just like, oh, it's a, you know, he's, a, he's a good mate to have. No, he's our Father in heaven. So much more, so much fuller. I'm reminded as I was preparing this, immediately I was taken to Isaiah chapter 6. You'll know this well, won't you? It's one of the first times uh, I heard Yvonne speak was, uh, I was on the Three Holies. I don't know if you remember sharing that last year on the Three Holies of Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord... High and exalted, high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. The seraphim were flying around, were crying, holy, holy, holy. Not once holy, not twice holy, but three times. It's very, very significant. Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And what was Isaiah's response? Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And there's, a, there's a perspective there that I think is important for us not to lose. So yes, we have this wonderful relationship <coughs> with Abba. Abba, Father, dear Dear Daddy, but at the same time, we're remembering we are created. He is the creator. Yes, we're friends. Yes, we're children of God, but he's also our Lord and our master. Another reason that this phrase, Father in heaven, is so important is that it continually reminds us that this is not all there is. I think for some of you, you say, thank goodness. This is not our Father in heaven. Hang on, this is not all that there is. 
This is not all that there is. Particularly important, I think, if we're going through battles and struggles. You can't see the end. You're not sure how it's going to get sorted. How's this going to get fixed? Our Father in heaven. There's something fuller and greater. This is not all that there is. With God, there is more. There is more than what we immediately see around us. There is more than is immediately in our hands. He's our Father in heaven. More than I can comprehend. More than I can control. More than I can contain. So this is how you are to pray. Our Father in heaven. Intimate, but one who is more than. Outside of our limited time and space. We were talking last week, weren't we, about Jesus modeling something so important to the disciples as he takes the five loaves and the two fish in his hands and and he's modeling something to the disciples. And the disciples are thinking, how are we going to feed 5,000 men, let alone the women and children who haven't been counted, how are we going to feed them with that little handful? How are we going to do this? And we were talking last week, and we were reminding, I want to remind you again, what is it that Jesus does? As he takes those five uh, loaves and the two small fish, what does Jesus do? It says, he looked up to heaven. He looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks. What do you have? What do you have in your hands? Well, all I've got is five loaves and two fish. Jesus is modeling something. He says, give them to me. What does he do? He doesn't concentrate. Oh, that's not very much, guys. Are you sure you haven't got any more fish? There's not another little boy anywhere that's got some more. He takes it. What does he do? He looks up to heaven. Do you see that? Even the Lord Jesus, he's modeling something. He looks up to heaven. This is how you're to pray. All right? I've got five loaves, two fish. This is how you're to pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. This is what we have. It feels so tiny in, face, in the face of what's in front of us. But you are so much more. You are so much more. You're our creator. You're our maker. You're our sustainer. You're our Father in heaven. Jesus teaches them literally to start all prayer this way. And as you do so, as I say, your perspective is changed. Literally, it's shifted from you're no longer looking here, you're looking there. There's a, there's a whole shift in your, your body and your, your demeanor. Some of you will know that. Sometimes you're battling with prayer, you're struggling with an issue. I know for myself, I just need to get myself physically out of the context I am and into another context in order to break through. I don't know if any of you know that one. I love to get, uh, well now here, I love to get by the sea. I used to live in a place that was about as far from the sea in the UK as you could be in any direction. So I would go to a high place. Um, I would go to a place called Barbary Castle, which is one of those Iron Age forts. But I, I just, to get to change perspective, literally, if I was battling or struggling with something in the church... And uh, I don't battle and struggle because this church is perfect now, so I don't need to pray. <laughs> but I, it's just a change of perspective, physically. And I, I think at times, to actually pray this prayer, not off right, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name, our King, our King. No, just stop. 
Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just the perspective. Some of us, I think, at times, we get locked in, don't we? Get locked into the five loaves and fish that are in front of us. We, we get locked into the, to the smallness. So, it changes perspective. It reminds us that there is more than, more than, more than what is in front of me. Having started there, Jesus then gives three things that we're to cry to God for. Our dear Father in heaven, and in the, I'm reliably informed by the, by the commentators that actually these three things in the next part of the prayer are actually all linked together. So, our dear Father in heaven, cause your name to be hallowed, cause your kingdom to come, cause your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And those things are actually all linked together if you look at the way uh, it's originally written down and how it's connected. So, cause your name to be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Cause your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Cause your will to be done as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to look at the first of those this week and want to give really the rest of the time uh, this morning to, to the first of those. This is how you are to pray. Start this way. Our dear Father in heaven, won't you cause your name to be hallowed? Won't you make your name great here on the earth, right now, in people's lives, in the nations of the world, just as it is in heaven? Now, of course, we understand that the names of God are very important. We'll come to that in just a second. It's true, generally, in history. Sometimes today, names don't have so much meaning, but certainly in history, in Bible times, a person's name was closely related to much of who they were and what they were and, and their character. Of course, we also find the stories, don't we, of people's names changing or being changed. As God meets with them, calls them, encounters them, as he works in their lives, so their names get changed. So the most famous, perhaps of all, Abraham starts off, his name means father, uh, exalted father, Abraham, exalted father. You shall no longer be called Abraham, exalted father, you shall be Abraham, father of many, father of the nations, for I have made you the father of many nations. And so his name, so the hand of God is upon him and his name is changed. So the name is not just identifying, it's just between Sarah and Jane, as it were, but defining, expressing something of, the, of who and what that person is. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever done a search on your name uh, to find out what it means. Some of you will have discovered it, oh, yeah, I like that. Others of you go, oh, I'm not so sure. Um, many years ago, I discovered that Mark is, was Certainly a derivative of the Mars, the god of war. So apparently Mark means warrior, which is a challenge to live up to at times. But uh, <clears throat> and some of you will have different names. Some of you will have very special names that family will have given you. Um, and maybe it's a family name that's been carried down 
and it will have a great deal of, of meaning and all sorts of ways. I'm sure there's that in your family life. Jesus said, pray, dear Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there are many names of God, many names in the Bible. There's at least 250 names or, or attributes for God, each one defining, if you like, or declaring a part of, of who he is. But the truth is, knowing the full depth of God is way beyond us. We could, we could dig into that until Jesus returns, and we will never fully know. But he has certainly shown us many parts of his nature, many parts of his character, and those things are named. Um, so, Jehovah Elohim, the eternal creator. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner, the name of God over us. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Sikenu, or however you say that word, is a T-S there. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. The Lord is present. He's also the Lord who sanctifies, who makes us holy. He is our rock. He's our good shepherd. He's the bread of life. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the gate. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the great I am. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is our God. This is his name. Our dear Father. Jesus says we are to pray, hallowed be your name. Now, to hallow literally means to, to sanctify, to make holy, to, de- to, to declare holy. But if God's name is everything that God is, then his name is already holy because God is holy. But Jesus says we're to pray. What does he say? He says, hallowed be your name. He says, pray that your name will be hallowed. We know it's holy, but oh dear Father, may it be treated as holy. May it be declared as holy. Let your name be great. Let your name be known. Let your name be listened to. Let your name be admired and respected and honoured and valued here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Now you will be aware, very aware in our culture, society today that we live that God's name, the name of the Lord Jesus, is, is abused in many, many ways. I, I was struck by it this week. I just heard someone use that, that Jesus Christ in a, in just in an absolute expletive in a moment. And, it, and I thank God it, it still cuts through me. But I know for many it, it doesn't cut through them because it, they, they're not recognizing and realizing the name of God. Not realizing. But for me, it just was like a knife. In the way I heard it. One of the ones, of course, that's become very popular in culture and society today, where God's name is being used, and particularly since the advance of social media, I think, is this one, OMG. How many know OMG? Well, you all know OMG, I'm sure. Most of you do. You just hear it all the time. Jackie and I were watching a television program last night, and I stopped counting how many times I heard, oh my God, on a regular national television program. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. 
And we say it, and we say, OMG, as, a, as a, just a thing, you know. So much so, it's possible, I think, we don't even notice it. May I even dare to say that maybe we use it ourselves. Oh my God! What are we saying there? What are we saying there? Our dear Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh my God! Oh my God! What is that? What's happening there? I think for us, I I just want to pray, Lord... Soften my ears again. Soften my heart. I don't ever want to become hardened to the use, the misuse of your name. Let there be a transformation in my heart. Begin it with me. But let it be a transformation in our families and in our society where it's no longer OMG, but it's ODF. Oh, dear Father. Father is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. When I'm very, very brave, and I just occasionally, someone will, I'll be chatting to somebody about some, what, something, and maybe it's been a bit of a challenging situation, and I have actually done this a couple of times, and somebody will say, oh, Jesus, that must have been hard. I said, well, no, because he was there. And they'll go, well, what do you mean? Him, Jesus, he was there. He was there helping me. Oh, Oh, right. Oh, I see. You know, they haven't even really realized what they've said. Now, you have to know the person in case you, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but I, you, I just think there are moments when we've got to be brave and go, actually, he's my father in heaven. He's my, I believe he created me. Oh, oh. And just now, you need to have a sensitivity with that and don't be holier than thou. But, Hallowed be your name. We live in a society, don't we, where it's literally it's just a flippant throwaway. It's just a, an expression. Let, let, let's recover the name of our Father, amen? Let's recover his name. It's not about religion. This is about revival. That again, in our nation and in the nations of the world, that here on earth, as it is in heaven... Here on earth, people would know and would honor the dear Father in heaven and who he is. And so when we pray in this way, we're saying, God, won't you display, won't you demonstrate your glory here on earth? Won't you cause the world that is blind to you to see you in the splendor of your glory? One of the reasons that people are just using that as a throwaway or even as an expletive is they're blind to his glory. And we say, so, Father, hallowed be your name. Won't your glory be seen again on earth? Won't your glory be seen in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our schools and colleges? Let your glory be seen. Hallowed be your name. Won't you cause those who are deaf to your voice to hear the thunder of your glory? That's why I say occasionally are very brave. But just to, just to highlight that name you've just used there, actually, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe in him. I've, I've surrendered my life to him. Won't, won't you cause those who are deaf to hear your, the thunder of your voice? Won't you cause those who are indifferent, who couldn't really be bothered, oh, it's just a phrase, doesn't matter. No, it does. It, do you, I want to show you again, I want to reveal to you, I want you to know the glory and the majesty and the might of who our God is. 
Father, hallowed be your name. Let the world see you. Now, just a tiny bit of application before we finish. A specific application. Do something, Father, that will cause people to see you for who you really are. Now, of course, it's the very thing God wants to do. And as somebody famously once said, I think we've got the quote here, prayer doesn't move God to do things he doesn't already want to do. Prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities into line with his. Doesn't move God to do the things he already wants to do. Doesn't already want to do. Prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities in line with his. So Jesus is saying the first priority is to pray, Our dear Father, hallowed be your name. Cause your name to be known and highly honoured here on earth as it is in heaven. Question, who's praying that? Who's praying that? We are. He's saying pray like this. So it begins with us. It begins with us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So three tiny, quick, brief things for us to take away. How do we hallow God's name? Well, we've been talking about it already a little bit in terms of our own language and how we use it. But here's three quick points, and I, I do acknowledge the help of John Piper in this. It's great, He's got some great sermons on the Lord's Prayer that I've been looking at and listening to. But there's a, just a little pit. I picked up here. Numbers 20, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you do not trust in me enough to honor me as holy. Let me read it in in the Lord's Prayer. Anyone who does not believe... um, Sorry. um, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you do not trust in me enough to hallow me in the sight of all the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land I give them. Moses, you did not trust me. You did not believe enough in me to hallow me. So the first way that we hallow God's name is to trust what he says. To trust, to believe in him. New Testament application, 1 John 5 verse 10. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. See, when you make somebody a liar, you profane a person's name, don't you? Oh, you're a liar. That person's a liar. And and, and their name is profane. And, And God is saying, if you don't believe in me, if you don't trust me, you're you're making God out to be a liar. You've not hallowed my name. You've not believed in me. You've not trusted in me. So this is the opposite of hallowing the person as, uh, uh, treating the person as holy. Not trusting in God is the exact opposite of hallowing his name. So one of the ways that we begin to hallow the name of God as we declare the goodness of his name before our friends and family, uh, before society, is by saying, I've trusted in God. I'm hallowing his name. I believe in him. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my restorer. He is my Lord. He is my king. He is my weight and my gate. He is my good shepherd. He is the one who feeds me. And I display that and I demonstrate that in my speech, in my life, the way I bring up my children, my marriage, the way I'm in the workplace. I'm hallowing his name. How? By trusting in him. Trusting in him. 
So there's the first one. Then listen to this. Isaiah 8, verses 12 and 13. Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. The Lord Almighty is the one you're to hallow. He is the one you're to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Another way that we hallow God's name is not fearing men or what man fears, but fearing God. It means that we are more concerned about displeasing God than we are about pleasing man. We're more concerned about displeasing God than we are about pleasing man. Whether that means standing against opposition, corruption, malpractice, or simply saying no to certain lifestyle choices, it's more important to me that God gets the glory than I lose my job, or that I get that financial bonus, or that I'm liked by this one, or I'm liked by that one. No, it's more important that I hallow the name of God. I'm going to put Him first. I'm not going to be led astray. I'm not going to be leaned upon. No, I am going to put my trust in him and I'm going to put him first. Hallowed be his name. And if that means certain implications, if that means certain things in in my peer group or my business setting or, or, or my family life, there are choices I'm going to put him first. That's how I hallow his name. No, I'm going to, I'm going to trust him Also, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying, Father, cause all people to have such a high view of you that it's much more dreadful thing to lose your approval than it is to lose anything the world can offer. That's what people are living in a world of approval. One of the incredible tensions for many in social media today is how many likes am I getting? Am I liked? So I put something on. Now, how many people have liked this? How many people have seen it? I've got friends, I've known friends, who will count up and, oh, I've lost this many likes this time and so on. And that is the reality, but certainly for our children and our young people, but I actually dare to say it's true for many, many of us as well. We're looking for approval. i got 50 likes on this one. How many friends have you got? Well, I've got this Well, actually, I've got this many friends. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Doesn't matter if nobody likes anything about me, you're my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You died for me. You accepted me. Your blood was shed for me. Hallowed be your name. There's a difference in priority. It's a difference. How do we hallow God's name? We trust in what he says. We lean upon him by faith. We are no longer concerned about what others are thinking. We want to honor his name. We want to put him first. So we hallow God's name by trusting and believing him. We hallow God's name by not fearing or seeking the approval of others more than of our God, our Father. And then finally, thirdly, we hallow the name of God when we keep his commandments. Leviticus 22, 31, 32. 
Keep my commandments and follow them. I am the Lord's. Do not profane my holy name. There it is again. I must be hallowed. I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Wow. Hold on just a minute. There's another sermon. Hallowed be your name. I make you holy, by the way. That's what God says. I make you holy. I hallow you. As you trust in me, as you put me first, as you're not concerned about what others think of you or uh, your style, your fashion, your, your social media status, but as you put him first, as you hallow him, he will hallow you. Wow. He will make you holy. You're made holy before him. Father, Hallowed be your name. Cause me to not only believe in you, to put my full trust in you, not only to put you first above everything else, but also to obey you, to keep your commandments. And that as you cause me, and by your Holy Spirit, as you help me to keep your commandments, as I commit to taking you seriously, do you know what? That will actually change the way I live. It will bring transformation to my life, to those around me, to the town I live, to the island I live, to the nation I live in the nations. As I hallow your name, transformation comes. So let me just, as I conclude, let me just pray a part of this. Just hear how this begins to sound then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How does that begin to sound? Dear Father, I thank you for the wonderful personal relationship that I've been called into. At the same time, I recognize that you are so much other and fuller and greater. Help me to keep that big perspective. Father, I long that your name would be hallowed in the world today. I know that starts with me. So I will believe in you. I will trust you. I will take you at your words. I'll be more concerned about what you think about me than what my colleagues or friends or family think. And I pray that I will live in such a way that my obedience will glorify you and your name. You hear that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But do you hear the depth of that? The fullness of that? One tiny bit, and then I'd like to pray that with us again. There is this personal application, but there's a global application. It's really important to understand this is also a missional prayer. Because as I said to you, there is a connection. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name on earth. Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying that the presence and power, the saving grace, love and mercy of our God that is demonstrated to us through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ might also be known and experienced everywhere. Worldwide. To those in every nation especially to those who don't yet know. So, 
As we pray, you just need to remember you are part of the solution. You are praying about yourself. Remember, prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities into line with his. So he's saying, so Jesus is saying, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying, go and live in such a way that my name is hallowed in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your town, in this island, and to the nations of the world And then the end will come. Can I invite you to stand? Just invite you to make this your prayer today. Maybe there are things that little buttons have been pressed in you today, and you say, Yeah, I need to make some changes there. Different ones of us, it will be different things. There are areas you say, yeah, that priority has been wrong. That emphasis has been wrong. Father, forgive me. Thank God for his grace. We thank God for the way he does forgive us. But I invite you to pray this prayer, and you can pray it in your heart as you hear me pray it again. Dear Father, thank you for that wonderful personal relationship that I have been called into. At the same time, I recognize you are so much other and fuller and greater. Help me to keep that big perspective. Father, I long that your name would be hallowed in the world today. I know that it starts with me. So I will believe in you. I will trust you. I will take you at your word. I will be more concerned about what you think about me than what my colleagues or friends or family think. I pray that I will live in such a way that my obedience will glorify you and glorify your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.